Welcome to the August 14th, 2023 Major Mondays webinar. Apologies for the delay, everybody. Uh, we should be ready to rock here, though. I think we straightened out the IT. Uh, we're on New York's serious injury threshold and New Jersey's verbal threshold in motor vehicle accident cases. And ideally, yeah, there I am. Hello. Uh, as always, this is a live question and answer format. So as you have any questions, feel free to post them in the GoToWebinar box, uh, and we'll get to them at the conclusion. All right, so let's get a little context going on both of the thresholds. So New York's no-fault law comes from Article 51 of the Insurance Law and Regulation Number 68. Uh, that's 11 of the New York Code's Rules and Regulations, uh, Number 65. Uh, so what it provides for is up to 50,000 in first-party benefits for New York motor vehicle accidents. Don't worry, we're gonna dive into this just a little bit more. Uh, New Jersey's verbal threshold comes from the Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act, or ACRA. Um, that's New Jersey Statute 39-6A-1 through 35. Uh, it basically imposes a limitation on the right to sue for a motor vehicle accident in exchange for guaranteed access to PIP. That's generally the concept for no-fault benefits throughout the country is nobody's fighting over who's going to pay you what in terms of insurance carriers. Uh, and the trade-off is you probably cannot sue to recover that amount because you're just getting it without regard to fault. So first-party PIP benefits in New York. I'm just calling it PIP because I, my experience has been in uh, other states. Um, that's what the adjusters refer to it as. In New York, we call it first-party benefits or basic economic loss. Uh, but basically, an eligible recipient recovers basic economic loss without regard to fault. There's no need to show negligence or a serious injury. We're going to get into what a serious injury is. Uh, Insurance Law 5102 has all the lovely definitions. Uh, it's combined medical treatment, lost earnings, and other expenses of $50,000 or less. First-party benefits is defined as basic economic loss, less certain deductions and offsets. Uh, what are the limitations here? Well, the medical must be necessary, and it has to be ascertainable within the first year that further treatment expenses may be incurred. Uh, indemnity is only up to 2K per month for the first three years, and expenses is $25 per day in necessary expenses only for the first year. Who is eligible for no-fault coverage? Well, covered persons under the no-fault law. Again, the definition of a covered person is set forth in Insurance Law 5102, um, but they need to be a covered person for, first and foremost. The accident has to occur in the state of New York. Uh, just note, motor, motorcycles are excluded from the definition of a motor vehicle for the purposes of Article 51. Who pays first-party benefits? Well, I'm glad you asked. So. Generally, the carrier for the driver or passenger that insures the vehicle pays benefits. For pedestrians, it generally ends up being the vehicle which struck the pedestrian. For bus passengers covered by their own insurance, their own insurance company pays, not the bus company's carrier. In work-related accidents, workers, workers' comp is primary to no fault, workers' comp is gonna pay. Those benefits are deemed paid in lieu of first-party benefits, and we're gonna get into that in a minute as well. Out-of-state accidents, this is where we start to get a little into the weeds a bit. Uh, the host vehicle's carrier pays for the insured and members of the household, resident relatives. Non-household members are only covered if there, is, if there is guest coverage. Otherwise, benefits are going to be paid under their own policy. Out-of-state vehicle operating in New York, uh, the carrier has to provide no-fault benefits if the insurance company does business in New York. That is a very small threshold to get over. So if you've written an insurance policy in the state of New York, you have to provide the mandatory 50K endorsement. All right, let's talk about suing for a motor vehicle accident in New York. So Insurance Law 5104, in an action by a covered person against a covered person, there is no right of recovery for basic economic loss. 
Translation, we said earlier basic economic loss was the 50 in uh, medical and indemnity. Parties cannot sue for the first 50K in medical treatment and lost earnings. Uh, Section 5102 also prohibits any right of recovery for non-economic loss, except in the case of serious injury. And that's what we're here for today. Little bit of a sidebar on workers' comp, and we're gonna wrap it all up at the end for you as well. So workers' comp is primary to no fault. The carrier pays in lieu of first party benefits for basic economic loss. Uh, that also means we don't have a lien or subrogation rights on the first 50K we pay in comp benefits. Note, there are exceptions to this. Uh, we have several webinars on that specific topic. Uh, anyone who's ever dealt with me knows I can talk about this until the cows come home. So if you ever wanna pick up the phone and call me, I'm happy to dive into this particular topic. For a few examples, an out-of-state accident, no 50K carve out. There's also nothing that says you have to pay 50K as the workers' comp carrier before you have lien rights. It's the first 50K from all sources. So uh, say a no-fault carrier kicks in and pays some benefits uh, beyond what's covered in workers' comp, uh, that gets tacked on in calculating when you reach the 50K. Indemnity paid over 2K per month, subject to a lien, and we can subrogate for it. Uh, indemnity paid more than three years after the date of loss, uh, subject to a lien, and we can subrogate for it. And that goes uh, regardless of whether we've paid 50,000 yet. So if it's not within the definition of first party benefits, it's not paid in lieu of first party benefits, and the 50K carve out doesn't, imply, doesn't apply. So just to state it a little more succinctly, uh, it is not a blanket 50K carve out. In fact, nowhere in section 291A are you going to find the number $50,000. There's nothing that says we have to pay 50K before we have rights. Uh, it's just that's how it's commonly interpreted throughout the industry. Uh, so section 291A and 2A, the carrier shall not have a lien for amounts paid in lieu of first party benefits, and it cannot sue for the first 50K except for loss transfer under insurance law 5105. Serious injury under section 5102. We see a bunch of little uh, text bubbles popping up here. So we got nine specific categories of injury that qualify as a serious injury. Death, dismemberment, fracture, loss of fetus, significant disfigurement, I'm sorry, death, dismemberment, fracture, loss of fetus, significant disfigurement, permanent loss of use of a body, organ, member, function, or system, permanent consequential limitation of a body, organ, or member, significant limitation of body, function, or system, and the 9180 category, which is something of a catch-all and it's very hotly litigated. Uh, a medically determined impairment, uh, the plaintiff is disabled for the first, for 90 days at any point during the first 180 days that happened after the accident. So it could be for 90 days, uh, you're fine, and then it kicks in for the last 90 days. That falls within the 9180 uh, catch-all for qualifying for a serious injury, provided you can prove that you, know, you actually were disabled for that period. So, Serious, serious injury threshold, what does it actually do? So it bar suits for non-economic loss, as we talked about. What is non-economic loss? Pain and suffering, essentially, um, those types of causes of action. Unless the party has a qualifying injury, one of those nine injuries we just talked about. The threshold applies when an in-state accident occurs and there is a claim against a covered person. Uh, the plaintiff can recover pain and suffering as well as medical expenses, lost wages, and other expenses that exceed basic economic loss, the 50K we talked about earlier. How does the threshold apply practically? Well, uh, the plaintiff may plead and prove special damages to show the seriousness of their injury, but they may not recover for medical lost wages or other expenses unless it exceeds basic economic loss. The serious injury threshold comes up most often in summary judgment motions and at trial. Uh, once any category under 5102 is satisfied, 
Uh, all other injuries are allowed in. Think of the serious injury threshold as sort of like a gatekeeper. Once you've proven it, everything's basically fair game. Um, the operator or passenger of a motorcycle need not satisfy the threshold uh, to recover non-economic loss. Uh, the theory being they wouldn't be entitled to basic economic loss if they got involved in an accident because a motorcycle is excluded from the definition of motor vehicle. Uh, but a covered person suing the motorcycle must still satisfy the threshold. Again, because that person would be entitled to first party benefits. Uh, a claim against a non-covered person, a defendant, does not require the plaintiff to meet the threshold and plaintiff can sue for basic economic loss. Uh, it also means there's gonna be liens on that recovery, however, if you're not suing a covered person. So turning now to New Jersey, I know we're going through this very quickly. Um, I could go into a lot about the various different categories, the permanent consequential limitation, significant limitation, the 9180 catch-all. Uh, I'm also happy to answer questions about that, but uh, we only have so much time and we got started a little late. So let's look at the verbal threshold in NJ now. Uh, it applies in motor vehicle accident cases in New Jersey. New Jersey first adopted a no-fault act, act in 1972. Now it comes from the New Jersey Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act, uh, which was uh, set up in 1998. Uh, and the goal is to reduce the cost of automobile insurance, uh, prevent overtreatment, and provide a little docket relief. So what is the verbal threshold? Well, you have two options for commercial auto insurance um, under New Jersey's uh, Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act, uh, Statute 39, 6A-8. The limitation on lawsuit, that is called the verbal threshold, and the no limitation on lawsuit, nonverbal threshold. So what you get is cheaper premiums with a big catch. You cannot sue for non-economic damages. And what's um, interesting about this is it's your own policy that restricts your right to sue. So lower premiums are advertised, but their effects generally are not. Uh, the verbal threshold is kind of like a dirty word amongst automobile insurance carriers in the state of New Jersey. Uh, I can promise you if you've never had the dialogue with your carrier and you drive the vehicle in New Jersey, if you've never picked up the phone and talked to somebody or looked at your policy in detail, you almost definitely have the limitation on lawsuit option applying you pretty much always with every carrier have to explicitly opt into the no limitation on lawsuit. I do recommend doing it because it's uh, you know a couple bucks more a month uh, in terms of premiums, but it means you can sue anybody at any time if you get hurt in a motor vehicle accident. You don't have to worry about the medical proofs. You can sue for non-economic damages. So uh, basically the concept is you get cheaper insurance, but it keeps you out of the courts. That's the whole concept behind the verbal threshold. Who is covered? I'm not gonna to dive too much into this. This is a ton of text, but um, you know, when does the verbal threshold apply? Yes, a person with a basic policy or someone who elects the verbal threshold, um, a person who fails to elect, we just talked about that, a person who is required to have mandatory PIP but fails to maintain coverage, uh, out-of-state residents injured in New Jersey if the carrier is authorized to do business in New Jersey, a NJ resident subject to one of the above um, injured out-of-state uh, and a pedestrian injured by automobile and subject to one of the above. No, a person who elects the zero and no tort threshold option under the standard policy, resident spouse or child, permissive PIP user, injury caused by vehicle not covered by PIP, bus passengers, still subject to the Tort Claims Act, by the way, Title 59, uh, and an out-of-state resident with a carrier not authorized in New Jersey. So, New Jersey has a basic and a standard policy. What's the difference? Uh, the basic policy, policy is New Jersey's mandatory minimum coverage. 
that has uh, bodily injury not covered, but there's a $10,000 option. Property damage that the insured causes, $5,000 per accident. PIP, first party benefits, $15,000 per person per accident, up to 250 k for certain injuries like critical care. Uh, if you go to the ER when you really, really got injured, you can get up to 250 k No uh, uninsured or underinsured motorist benefits. Collision's an option, comprehensive is an option. Standard policy is I haven't negotiated anything different with my insurance carrier and I'm getting coverage above the basic policy. So bodily injury, it's as low as $15,000 a person, 30,000 per accident, up to $250,000 per person, 500K per accident. Property damage, low as 5,000 per accident, up to 100,000 plus. PIP, low as 15,000 per person uh, or accident, up to $250,000 plus um, for certain injuries. Uh, uninsured motorist, underinsured motorist benefits available up to amounts selected for liability coverage. Uh, collision is an option, comprehensive coverage is an option as well. So here's where it starts to get similar to what we have in New York. There are qualifying injuries for the verbal threshold in New Jersey. You cannot sue for non-economic damages unless you have one of the qualifying injuries. Death, dismemberment, significant disfigurement or scarring, displaced fractures. Notice uh, that's a little different than New York. New York just has a fracture. And it can be any fracture at all, even if there's no permanent disability from it, even if it eventually heals, even if it heals before you file the case. Um, if there's a provable fracture, it gets you in. New Jersey, it has to be displaced. Uh, loss of a fetus, and then the catch-all category, permanent injury other than scarring or disfigurement. Uh, and as the same thing in New York, this is easily the most litigated of the categories. But you'll notice this overlaps almost exactly with the first five or six injuries out of New York's nine serious injuries, death, dismemberment, significant disfigurement, displaced fractures, loss of a fetus, permanent injury. So there's a significant amount of overlap and a similar effect between the two across the two jurisdictions. Permanent injury. Well, what do we mean when we say permanent injury in New Jersey? It must be uh, a permanent injury within a reasonable degree of medical probability. You will see that language tacked on to uh, permanency evaluations in New Jersey. Uh, you know, usually with the doctor's certification, you know, I make this, uh, I make this diagnosis or I find this permanency uh, within a reasonable degree of medical certainty or probability. Uh, defined in the statute, when the body part or an organ or both has not healed to function normally and will not heal to function normally with further medical treatment. If that is a fair description of the injury, it is permanent. Uh, this is where many cases are won and lost, especially with soft tissue injuries. Uh, the net takeaway usually for verbal threshold cases in New Jersey, you know, if you're talking about a neck and back, like sort of soft tissue injury, a disc bulge is probably not going to get you over. A disc herniation might. Uh, what's the effect on litigation here? Uh, well, the verbal threshold only bars a suit for non-economic damages, typically pain and suffering. So what happens if PIP is inadequate to cover our damages? The insured can still sue for economic damages, including lost wages, medical costs, uninsured property damage, et cetera. Uh, that is not barred by the verbal threshold. The ver verbal threshold stops you from suing for non-economic loss. Now, um, if it's not subject to the verbal threshold and if you're suing for reimbursement of economic damages, note that now there's going to be a lien on that amount as well, uh, probably from the workers' compensation carrier if they paid in lieu of PIP. Uh, what's the burden of proof in New Jersey? Uh, the plaintiff must, within 60 days of the answer, provide certification from a physician under penalty of perjury. Yes, that is a requirement. That gets filed with the court. 
Uh, the certification must be based on and refer to objective clinical evidence. Uh, the verbal threshold is an affirmative defense and it is a basis for a summary judgment motion. And just taking a peek here at New Jersey model civil jury charge uh, 5.33, preponderance of the evidence is needed. Permanent injury has to be proved by objective credible medical evidence. So we'll get to our, uh, our last slide here and then to any questions if we have them. So let's look a little bit at the overlap with workers' comp in both New York and New Jersey. So New Jersey has this lovely case that came out um, after a long line of cases before it uh, that gradually you know, gave the workers' comp carrier more favorable and more favorable rights until we get to New Jersey Transit Corp, ASO Mercogliano versus Sanchez. It's an appellate division decision from 2018. In subrogation actions, the carrier's rights are governed by the Workers' Comp Act, not ACRA. Uh, the carrier is entitled to reimbursement from tortfeasors, even though the employee would not be able to recover medical expenses and wage loss from his own automobile insurer or non-economic damages from the tortfeasors. What is that saying? Even if your insured is subject to the verbal threshold, you aren't as the Workers' Comp Carrier. Uh, if you're asking yourself the question, is this even subrogation anymore, I agree with you. Um, it is, there was a lot of legal hoops that they jumped through to reach this determination. Uh, it's favorable for us if we're trying to subrogate under Section 40F. It was affirmed by an equally divided court, so um, you can tell it was pretty hotly debated at the highest level in New Jersey, the Supreme Court. That happened in May 2020, so um, it is still good law. And if anything, it's even more powerful now that the Supreme Court affirmed it, albeit via an equally divided court, which means the decision doesn't get overturned. Um, how did, what's the overlap with comp in New York? Well, number one, make sure the 50K carve-out actually applies. We talked about that, you know, out-of-state accident, no 50K carve-out. Nothing says you have to pay the full 50K if no fault is chipping in a little, that adds towards when you get up to the 50K. Indemnity paid more than three years from the date of loss or over 2K per month. That's subject to lien and offset rights and subrogation rights, whether or not you've paid over 50K, uh, et cetera. See if the benefits are potentially recoverable via loss transfer. It needs to qualify for loss transfer. You need a, a vehicle that's over 6,500 pounds un, unladen or unloaded, uh, or use principally for hire for the transportation of people or property. And then you need negligence for a loss transfer claim, which gets litigated in arbitration forums. Uh, it's an ARB claim. You need uh, proof of the qualifier, proof of liability, and proof of your damages. Damages is gonna come in the form of um, your payment ledger, proof that you've paid medicals, workers' comp board awards, uh, the shroys showing the periods you paid disability and what type of disability you paid, et cetera. But for every loss transfer arbitration, you need the qualifier first and foremost, foremost an argument as to liability. It's just a negligence claim that takes place in arbitration and damages. Uh, for both states, you, uh, proof of the injuries that are filed uh, to prove a serious injury, uh, or to prove that you've pierced the verbal threshold in New Jersey, proof of those injuries may be useful in defending your workers' compensation claim. So you can look at the medical evidence that's produced in over the course of discovery or subpoena it and uh, see if the plaintiff's story is lining up with what you're seeing in the workers' comp board file or what you're seeing in uh, courts online or what you're exchanging with your adversary in New Jersey. You know, bear in mind that in one of these motor vehicle accident cases, there is an injury threshold that the plaintiff is going to have to get over in both New York and New Jersey, uh, unless in New Jersey you opted for the no limitation on lawsuit option. But um, that's a trigger for you to look at the treatment that's going on in that case 
and uh, you know, see if it actually uh, matches up to what you know the treatment to be in your case. Uh, it's potentially very useful, and we found in some civil dockets, undisclosed prior injuries, concurrent employment that wasn't disclosed. You never know what's going to turn up, particularly in an EBT transcript or DEP transcript. So with that, uh, let's see if we have any uh, questions before we wrap up for this month. I know this was a lot of information. I appreciate you hanging in there. Let's see. Oh, hmm. Let me pop this out. Oh, uh, well, I see a couple of uh, couple of messages that say, has it started, where is the PowerPoint, and is this just an audio presentation? Uh, well, on my end, the uh, PowerPoint was displaying this entire time. Uh, it wasn't intended to be uh, an audio-only presentation, so uh, if that happened, I apologize. We can re-record it with the slides and uh, share that version with everyone afterwards. I was uh, unaware that that was happening. I probably should have looked at the questions earlier, but... Uh, again, thank you for hanging in there. If you've hung in this far, maybe that uh, was an error on one person's screen and maybe not for everyone else. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks again, everyone, and uh, hope to see you next month.